If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King. And I want to welcome everybody here at the Bellingham campus, those of you that are joining us at the Ferndale campus, and those that are watching online as well. We're glad that you're here. A couple of announcements that go for all of our campuses. Uh, uh, the envelopes for the Christ the King blessing are no longer in your program, but that doesn't mean that we're not still um, open to people giving in that particular area. And so if you're interested, there are uh, uh, envelopes available at the back of both campuses as well. Next weekend, we're going to be baptizing. I'll be talking about this a little bit uh, in tonight's message, but want to uh, let you know, in order to be baptized in Christ the King, you've got to go through the class first, because we just really want to get to know you. We want to know what exactly it is that you're doing, and uh, where the Lord has learned, uh, or where He has walked with you. We'd also like to hear your story a little bit. And so if you'd like to be baptized next weekend, there is a class um, that will happen here at the Bellingham campus right after this service. It'll happen at Ferndale exactly at the same time. And we'd welcome you to do that. And then on Sunday night, we've got a, a, a concert here in the worship center at the Bellingham campus. Brandon Heath will be here, wonderful worship leader, great young guy, recording artist. And Brandon is going to be here along with Britt Nicole. And uh, tickets are available online. We'd love to have you come and join us. It's going to be a great evening and uh, hope that you can come. The weeks before Christmas are all about waiting. They're about hope, expectancy, as we wait for the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And our goal over the next several weeks is, is to prepare our hearts, kind of like young parents prepare a nursery in expectation that a baby is going to be born into their family. At Christmas, we wait with anticipation, with hope, hoping for divine intervention, hope for our family, hope for our own souls, hope for God's incredible intervention into the center of our reality. And more than just waiting, we're also to, to be thinking, to be considering, to be processing. And this year, I, I want to do that corporately. I want to prepare our hearts corporately on purpose. I, I've been struck as I've read through Scripture the last couple of weeks of all that Jesus laid aside so that he could come on that very first Christmas. And so as we enter into the waiting period that, that traditionally is known as Advent, we're going to strategically consider what Jesus did without so that he could accomplish something so far greater that we could ask or even imagine the salvation of humanity from sin. Just listen as I read the word of God and think about what Jesus did without so that you could even hear these words. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. This year, as we anticipate Advent, we're going to consider this stunning thought week after week, hour after hour. And the thought is this, that Jesus laid aside his royal privilege to accomplish his mission of purchasing the gift of salvation for you and me. 
He laid that aside. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see how Jesus strategically did without, with the purpose of a far greater good. And then we're going to do the same. We're going to have some strategic doing without. And we're not going to do it out of guilt. We're not going to do it as some empty religious exercise. We're not going to do it as some weird form of self-punishment. But instead, we're going to do it in the hopes that in doing without, just like Jesus did, that we would be able to exchange some of the tough parts of Christmas for something else. For hope. Joy. Love peace. One of the hardest parts of Christmas that I see people deal with every single year is disappointment. What if we could do without human disappointment at Christmas? What if the hopelessness of our broken world could actually be gone? What if we could exchange the disappointment that every one of us runs into at some level during the season? What if we could exchange that for supernatural hope? Let's just unpack that for a couple of weeks. I believe this statement to be true. The root of all disappointment is unmet expectations. That's just how it works. I mean, think about it this way. If this is the level of your expectation, and this is your reality, okay? So you're expecting here, and this is where it actually comes in. Everything in between here is the level of disappointment that you handle, regardless of the situation. Some of you were disappointed when you came in this weekend because there are no Christmas decorations at the Bellingham campus. Somebody said, what's going on? I think I can help you out, all right? There you go. You all right? Hope it makes you feel better, all right? You know, just some of you, your expectation was here because we always do it big. Come back next week. You'll see what we're up to. And this is where it showed up. It's kind of like everything in between is the level of disappointment. I was a little disappointed in Whatcom County this past week because on on. on I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I drove to the mall from Christ the King. Between here and Bellis Fair, I got flipped off twice. Twice. And I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was driving in, a, in, in the right speed limit, in a straight direction, and I got flipped off, not once, but twice. And I couldn't figure out, I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then I remembered was driving my brother-in-law's vehicle, and he's from Abbotsford. (laughs) You people are mean. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Just so you know, one of the people who made a certain gesture attends Christ the King Community Church. (laughs) And I know who you are, and you know who you are. And I'd like to thank you for pointing out that you think I'm number one. That's awesome. Wow. Wow. All right. You know, for some people, Christmas just kind of brings with it a sense of dread because the reality is you've been disappointed before. Your family doesn't act right. Your season schedule doesn't go right. Your finances don't stretch right. And the list just goes on and on and on. And so this weekend, I want to go to one of the most unusual spots that we could possibly think of to go to start a Christmas season at Christ the King. We're going to go to an Old Testament passage in 2 Kings chapter 7. And we're going to see some people who dealt with disappointment. Before I start, 
For the record, I just want to tell you this. I don't believe the answer to getting through Christmas is just to lower your expectations. There's an old saying that says, he who expects little is never disappointed. I don't think that's what God wants for us. In fact, I don't believe we should just lower our expectations. I believe we actually need to increase our expectations about the work that God's going to do in our lives as we prepare for the arrival of a king. I believe our expectations should actually go up. Let's go to an unusual spot. 2 Kings chapter 7. The Bible tells a historical account, and some of you, when we read through it, are going to go, what in the world does this have to do with Christmas? Just stick with me. 2 Kings 7 verse 3 says this. Now, there were four men with leprosy. Leprosy was a highly contagious terminal disease at this point in history. You got it, you're dead. That's how it worked. Four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate, and they said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, we're going to die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans, okay? Those are the mortal enemies of the Israelites. Let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. And at dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. Okay, let's just stop there for a second. Here's the point, okay? The reality of these men's lives led them to a logical place of disappointment, okay? If anyone had a reason to be disappointed with their lives, it would be these guys. I mean, they have got a painfully chronic terminal disease that's absolutely contagious that turned them into outcasts. They were shunned by everybody, their family, their friends. Everyone in this society would turn away from a leper. Every day, they had to live out the pain. Because according to the law, if you had leprosy, if you saw another person coming towards you who did not have that disease, you had to place your hand over your mouth and shout, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Don't come anywhere close to me. You might get this and then you're going to die too. So these guys have been ignored and pushed to the side their entire lives. I mean, can you hear the hopelessness in their statements? Well, if we stay here, we're dead. If we go there we're dead. Let's go to the enemy. We might live for a little while. Bottom line, we're all going to end up dead. I mean, just think about it for a second. Why would the Arameans, the mortal enemies of Israel, why do you think they would take mercy on these guys? Number one, they're Israelites. Number two, they're contagious. I mean, if I'm an Aramean, it's like... I hope you can take an arrow from the distance because I'm going to try and take you out before you get anywhere close to my little area here. Don't want anything to do with you. You know what chance these guys had of surviving? Zero. That's a little disappointing, don't you think? Zip, nothing. No other options than just turning yourself over to the enemy. Maybe some of you have been there. You ever run out of options? Felt like you didn't have anywhere else to turn. I mean, that's unbelievably disappointing. It's devastating when there's nowhere else to go. But when there's nowhere else to go, you might as well go somewhere. That's where these guys decide to go to the camp of the Arameans. The Bible goes on and says this. When they reach the edge of the camp, I'm going to remind you again, it's the enemy's camp. It's not the KOA, okay? It's the enemy's camp. No one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans 
to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite kings and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. And they left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents and ate and drank. And then they took silver, gold and clothes and went off and hid them. Let me give you a nice translation of the Hebrew here. Jackpot, right? Wow, look at this. All this stuff. Food, drink, gold, silver, clothes. And there's nobody else here except the four of us. The Bible says they returned and entered another tent, took some of the things from it, and they hid it also. I want you to notice something about this. Did anybody see any mention of a prayer to God before this incredible blessing happened? I think that's the point. God intervenes into their reality without being asked and provides abundantly, not for their want, but for their need. God just showed up, inexplicably intervened into the center of their world. He just just showed up. Anybody see a parallel with Christmas at all? Just asking. Stick with me. I want you to notice this. Notice this. You find yourself in a position where you have no options. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where you can't deny God's blessing. These guys can't attribute this to anybody except for God. God just kind of shows up and says, I'd like to throw a party. There's four people on the invite list, and that would be you. So why don't you come and celebrate with me? Let's just watch. They didn't even, get, they didn't even ask to be invited. They just show up. I love these guys. I mean, you can just hear them saying, we had nothing, now we got something. This is unbelievably good. And they start eating and drinking and stuffing their pockets. And all of a sudden, somebody goes, whoa, 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 guys. Stop, stop. And we learn a lesson here. It's the next blank in your outline. A fitting response to God's intervention is not hoarding or hiding. Okay? When God does something incredible in your life, the worst thing you can do is, I'm just going to keep this on the... This is right here. Just me and you. We're good. It's not hoarding or hiding. Listen to what happens in verse 9. Then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment's going to overtake us. Let's go at once and report report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, we went into the Aramean camp and no one was there. Not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys and the tents left just as they were. And the gatekeepers shouted the news and it was reported within the palace, okay? I love these guys because of what they teach us. It's so unbelievably profound. I tried to sum it up in one sentence. It goes like this. The intervention of God was so compelling, their response was to share. Their response was to share. I mean, I want you to think about something. If you think back in the story, something was going on in the city. You know what was going on in the city? They were all starving. There was a famine inside of there. And these guys just kind of show up and it's like, this is good news. We can't keep it to ourselves. I mean, if we limit this blessing, 
What kind of people are we? I mean, there's people in the city starving. We need to tell them they need to come out here because they're starving in there, but there's a part, there's a buffet out here. I mean, I just love the fact that they, it wasn't like, oh boy, us four and no more. No, 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 we need to keep this to ourselves. Don't tell anybody. If we tell other people, they're going to come and have some of the buffet too. I love the fact that that didn't even occur to them. They're thinking we have to share. We've got to spread the blessing around. Even though we've been disappointed and shunned, even though those people turned their back on us, we're not going to return evil for evil. That's just not what we're going to do. No, we're going to do what God wants done. We're going to celebrate his intervention into our lives by sharing. We're going to defeat the disappointment we've been hauling around by sharing. God's incredible intervention. God intervened in your soul at Christmas time. God spread a buffet of grace, mercy, hope, and forgiveness. He just showed up. In some of our lives, we didn't even ask him. He just showed up in the center of our normal everyday existence and said, I'd like to invite you of all people to come to a party. And this is what's crazy. You're contagious because you've been infected by sin. Everybody's turned their back on you, but I'm not going to turn your back on you because I'm God and I'm throwing a party and I was wondering whether or not you'd like to come. And oh, by the way, when it shows up in your life, this is what I want you to do. I want you to share it. Keep it to yourself. You share it. You know, when I read this account last week, I just started thinking automatically about another group of outcasts. See, shepherds were outcasts. Shepherds were the lowest rung on the social ladder. People hated them, avoided them, treated them like dirt. According to Jewish law, if you were a shepherd, you didn't even get to testify in a court of law because people just assumed you were a liar. So you got shoved out into the fields. You just look after the sheep, mind your own business, and stay away from the rest of us really, really nice, tidy people. You know, if you look at it in reality, shepherds just lived out another story of disappointment. Their whole lives were disappointing. Luke chapter 2 says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock by night. And we romanticize that wonderful scripture. And it's just like, oh, isn't that sweet? Look at these wonderful, wise, beautiful people wrapped in their robes with their big crook, hanging out with sheep. We have that picture so messed up. This was a miserable existence. I mean, just think about it. Day after day, night after night, same old, same old, out in the field. It's never going to be any different. Nothing's ever going to change. I'm not welcome in town. I might as well just hang out here. I'm just going to watch and wait as the sheep walk in the same circle they walk in every other night that's been my entire life. Bad. try to make it so pretty because it makes us feel a little better. It wasn't pretty to be a shepherd. It wasn't pretty at all. 
You probably wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. A bunch of outcasts hanging out on the hillside. And into their story of disappointment comes another story of intervention. God's intervention suddenly brings hope. Luke chapter 2 verse 9 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. You think? You spent your whole life watching sheep, and suddenly you've got a choir that's filling the entire sky. We would go, oh, we would just have said, thank you, Jesus. This is such a beautiful gift. You would have been on your face, freaking out. Freaking out. You're not used to any of this stuff. And all of a sudden, there they are. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. (laughs) I love that line. Are you kidding me? You're a glowing singing guy. And you're telling me not to be afraid. All I do is sheep, right? The angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he's the Messiah, the Lord. Angel basically says, hey guys, good news. God intervened. Into all of your disappointment, hope has come. Into the darkness of the world, the light just got turned on. You've always been outcasts, but now the king of everything has invited you to his birthday party. Why don't you come? Why don't you hang out? God is throwing a party and He probably should have invited the royalty of Jerusalem. He probably should have invited governors and kings and princes and princesses. He probably should have invited anybody but you. But guess what? God's got a thing for outcasts. God's got a thing for people that just don't fit anywhere else. God's got a people that just act a little different, talk a little different. They're just a little bit outside of the the bubble of normalcy. Can you imagine being the angel taking dictation in heaven that day? Oh, yeah. We need invitations for the party. Invite shepherds. What? Shepherds. We'll start there because if God would invite them, maybe there's hope for all of us. You know, this is what I love about the story. The shepherds could have kept it to themselves, just like the four guys in 2 Kings. No, don't tell anybody. We got the choir all to ourselves. We got the Messiah all to ourselves. This is awesome. Just our little group, nobody else, everybody else, they'll figure it out on their own. Don't worry, we've got this thing completely covered. They could have kept it to themselves. They could have said, people have always treated us like dirt, so we're going to keep this to ourselves. I mean, they can find out on their own. This is not our problem anymore. They could have allowed the bitterness that was in their soul to render them mute. They couldn't help themselves. They couldn't help themselves. Just like the guys from 2 Kings, they lived out another story of sharing. They go and see the Messiah, and the Bible says this, when they had seen him, meaning, do you get the emphasis of those three little letters there? Him, the king of all in human form. God the Son and the Son of God wrapped in a human form of a baby. 
laying aside all of his privilege, the perfection of heaven, everything that he had, willfully done without. When they'd seen him, God in human flesh, they spread the word, considering what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. She's going to have her opportunity to share. It's going to happen a little later on. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I mean, I believe if you look at these two stories, Old Testament and New Testament, and you put them together, that there's an undeniable truth that comes out of them. And it starts with this statement. The answer to Christmas disappointment is to share the hope of God's miraculous intervention. When we share the hope of Jesus, we increase our expectation of what God is going to do to us and through us during this season. If you want to spread hope somewhere, be bold. Does that word ring a bell for anybody at Christ the King from the beginning of the year? Be bold. Move beyond your human disappointment and spread hope. I mean, here's an application, okay? Some of you have kept the salvation of your soul to yourself. I'm good. Prayed the prayer. Awesome. God and I. And you've never gone public. Ever. I want to encourage you to get in the game. God gave you the gift of his son. Give him the gift of your obedience this Christmas. Okay? No more playing games, no more excuses, no more, I don't want to get my hair wet. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Here's an opportunity. Next weekend at both campuses, we're going to have the opportunity to baptize people. And when you go into the water, you're telling your world that you believe Jesus came in the form of a human baby, lived a perfect life, and died on a cross to bring you hope. Don't keep God's intervention in your soul a secret one day longer. Tell somebody about it. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? Tell it to somebody. Invite your family. Invite your friends. If Jesus was willing to hang on a cross for you, why would you withhold the opportunity to be obedient and get wet for him? That's my question. Give yourself as a gift to Jesus this Christmas by being obedient. Just a thought, okay? Here's another application. Invite people to Christmas Eve at Christ the King Community Church. It's a Saturday. We're doing all of our Christmas services on Saturday. We're starting early because we learned something last year. The earlier we start, the more of you show up, all right? So we're starting early in the afternoon, and we're going to go. We're going to do four. Last year we did five. We're only doing four because we're going to try and pack all of you into four. Get here early, okay? At Ferndale, you're going to have exactly the same thing going on. It's going to be awesome, okay? Invite people to come with you to Christmas Eve. Make a list. Check it twice. I don't give a rip if they're naughty or nice, okay? And neither should you, okay? Pray for an opportunity to invite somebody and be bold, and don't end up being disappointed in yourself. Because it's just another year when you got an opportunity to sit down at the buffet and have a party with Jesus, and you just didn't bother to invite anybody else to come. 
Don't be disappointed in yourself this year. Do your part and trust God to do the rest. You see, this is the most incredible thing. Into an unbelievably dark world. A tiny little ray of light called hope started to shine. And in a little lot of darkness, a little bit of light goes an awfully long way. Jesus was the light. So are you. Remember the song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. (laughs) Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Okay, let's try that. (laughs) Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Jesus has just heard what you said. Back it up. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We are going to pray for those of you who came hopeless. Lots of you. And we're going to pray that you will have a divine exchange between your hopelessness and the hope that God brought. That's why one of the first weeks of Advent centralizes on hope. Would you join me as we pray in both campuses right now? Father, for those who are feeling hopeless today, I pray they would share their way through that difficult place of disappointment. Father, I pray their answer would not be to simply lower their expectations, but to actually increase their expectations of what you're going to do through them and to them. Father, I pray over the hopeless who are here. I pray that they would know that a light has come, that a Messiah has been given that 2,000 years ago, into the midst of all of the darkness, a ray of light came that said, God loves, God delivers, God saves. Father, I pray that the hopeless would know who the light is. I pray that they would know that his name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I pray that their heart would open right now. Whether they prayed and asked for intervention or not, I pray that their heart would be open right now. And that they would bring you all of their hopelessness and disappointment and experience the hope of God given as a gift 
by God the Father through Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I sure would love to pray for some people this week. It takes a little courage. If you're just feeling hopeless, would you just stick your hand up in the air? All over. Father God, I thank you that you've seen every single one of these hands. And I pray that the God who brings hope would guard both their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that they would know you as a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, and a Prince of Peace. May they run to you the God who has invited them and us all to a birthday party. And may the celebration this year be unrivaled because of the hope that we find in our souls. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious, holy name. And the hope-filled people of God agreed together and said, Amen. Amen. After the service at Bellingham and at Ferndale, a group of hope-filled people are going to come and stand up at the front of the room. And if you're hopeless, come and pray with somebody. Just blurt it all out. You can't shock anybody here at CTK. I mean, just it's kind of the way we, it's kind of the way we roll here, you know? Tell them what the burden is. Tell them where the bitterness is coming from. Tell them how disappointed you are and then allow them to point you to Jesus. The light of the world. Just allow us to do that. It's a gift. We do it every week. You would be so amazed at the conversations that happen up here at across the front. It's just regular, ordinary people saying, I really care about you. So come and pray. Come and pray. We're going to continue in our worship by giving back to God our tithes and our offerings. We're going to give back to God because he's blessed us with so much. We are so hope-filled because of the blessing, and now we're going to get a chance to share it. A part of, uh, of what we do here is we give back to God so that we can love and care for people that are really, really hurting. So that's what's going on here right now. If you're a guest, I'm going to invite you to do something. I don't want you to feel any obligation at all. In fact, if you're visiting with us, if you could do me a favor, I'd appreciate it. When the offering comes down your row, just pass it to the next person. We don't want anything from you at all. We're just so thrilled and honored that you'd come and hang out with us. Hope you'll come back and see us again really, really soon. The ushers are going to start in the back. They're going to work their way towards the front. And then we're going to stand to our feet when the offering passes us by. And we're going to sing. And we're going to sing a Christmas song that celebrates how the shepherds responded. And we're going to join our hearts with theirs and we're going to share just how incredible the celebration of the incarnation can really be. May the hope of God walk with each one of you this week as you find peace and joy in Him. Merry Christmas.